Right now, the gap between what you should save and what you can save has never felt bigger. The U.S. Bank mobile app can help by finding ways to help you reach your savings goals with personalized insights that fit your real life to make your financial goals feel within reach. Because even our tools are smart enough to put people first. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. And thank you, Scott Slade, for that introduction. This is Energy Matters, and we want to help you save money, use technology, and be more sustainable. My co-host today, I'm Tim Eccles on the Public Service Commission. My co-host, former representative, state representative John Noel. And John, who do we have in the studio today? We have Ben Taub. Ben Taub is, uh, boy, has a long, uh, long history in the energy efficiency space, having founded the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance. Uh, grew it from, I think, essentially a a closet or maybe your maybe a spare bedroom uh in in your home to a huge organization and then left it uh and Wait went a second. on to I didn't know he was the actual founder of that. Oh yeah, he was the founder. Wow. What year yeah. was that? Ben? So we uh, got to get close to yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, we got it's when we got started in 2007. It's when I got started. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh prior to that, in fact, how he and I met uh talking about history stuff uh was the energy manager for the city of Atlanta. Uh, back when they were just starting to think about energy in the early 2000s. Um, and so Ben w- has been in this space uh, for a long time, and uh, it's a great pleasure to have you here, Ben. Uh, Tim Eccles, of course, uh, our host, uh, Public Service Commissioner, Georgia Public Service Commissioner Tim Eccles, and himself a pioneer in the world of energy. Uh, it is a triumvirate of smarts uh, at the radio today, and we're very glad to be speaking with you. We're delighted to have you here, Ben. Appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. So I want to know, when you think of energy, what do you think of? Well, that's a tough question, right? Uh, energy, do you think of energy efficiency? you think I, of generation? I think of, I think of it in, in, in many ways. I think of it in, in terms of, number one, I think of it in terms of generation, right? So flip a switch, what does it take? How are we flipping that switch and what's coming on? But then I think backwards, right? So you flip the switch, you turn something on. Well, how do you reduce it? How do you save it? How do you, what are the technologies we could look at? And where's that system efficiency opportunity? And so I think of a full circle uh, most of the time. Most people don't think of it that way, though. Yeah, that's right. And most people, candidly, aren't big picture thinkers. And you've had the option to, to be that. Um, so there's another thing that's coming. It's because you're a big picture thinker. There's been people in the energy efficiency space we've heard uh, in prior episodes, and we will hear again about solar. What we haven't heard about is how do you pay for all this stuff when you're a homeowner or a commercial business and you don't have the money, what are the creative ways to do that? And there is some very innovative stuff coming on the marketplace that allows you to do that. Something with funny names like PACE, P-A-C-E. What is PACE? Yeah, so you're right. Paying for solutions is not that easy, right? We all want to save energy. We all want to save, put dollars in our pocket. But how do we do that sometimes? And, and we know we can make our homes, our buildings more efficient. So why not look at opportunities to use innovative financing? And so things like PACE, which is called Property Assessed Clean Energy Financing, it's been around for about 10 years, uh, but it's been growing in the marketplace. Mostly on the left coast? Uh, yeah, mostly on the left coast, uh, but it's made its way uh, out out this way, too. It's, it's, it's predominant in Florida these days. Uh, it'll soon be here in Georgia. Um, and there's a couple other states where, where this, is, this is really taking hold. But what is it? At the end of the day, to tell you what it is, is that it's a way for private capital companies to partner with local governments. And local governments, uh, as, a, as, a, as a conduit to constituents, to homeowners, to building owners. And it's a way for private capital to be leveraged by a, a public entity where it doesn't cost them anything because it's all private dollars. But at the end of the day, it's, in essence, a, a voluntary way for a homeowner or a business owner to take a special assessment on property. 
So maybe they want to put solar in their house, or maybe they want to put a backup generator in their house, or maybe they want to do HVAC and insulation, and or, or okay. all the above. Give me and, a live fire example. Live fire example. Uh, commercial, small commercial building got a quote for eighty thousand dollars to do solar. He's in the city of Atlanta. How does that work? Yeah, sure. So assuming a program's running, he's 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 going to say, "Hey, I like that pace program that's being offered by the city of Atlanta. I want to participate in that." So he basically does a quick application. He qualifies. He gets X amount of dollars for that building. So it's, it's usually based on fair market value of and the building. It isn't, he's got bad credit, but does it matter? Well, it's, 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 it's property-based. So at the end of the day, it's about it's what's not the about value him, it's of about the building. The building. What's, about, what's the value of the building? Because okay. it's, a, it's an assessment on property. Okay, so in so, the instance of this commercial building, it's a million-dollar valuation on the building, but his note's only $600,000. So he's great. He's great. And he gets $100,000 accessible to him. Interest to rate. What's a, the interest rate? Anywhere from six to eight percent. So cheap. Yeah. Okay. And not only that, and it's not only is it cheap, it's you know it can go up to thirty years. And if he sells that piece of property, that assessment stays on the property. So the next owner comes in, and they've got the value of the solar system, but also that he's not having to come out of pocket to pay off his, in essence, his his so assessment. That's on, on that's on a clean energy project. The part that's important for for us, uh, for many of us listeners. For the greenies, for the people that want to do the right thing, but gosh, I might flip that building. I might sell my house. Those things are, in the instance of a building, God, i got to replace the chiller. It's going to cost a, bit, a million dollars. But if that makes you halves your electric consumption, then the new owner will want that new chiller as much as you want that chiller. And in the case of your house, the new owner is going to want a new efficient air conditioner as much as the old owner. So... This is a way to make that transfer to the new owner without it being a burden. That's absolutely correct. And they get the savings that come along with it, too, right? You, The initial investment took them from wherever they were spending the day they owned the house to where they are today. And uh, that savings travels along as well. So it, it, there's, a, there's a double benefit here. Right, right. Okay, that's that's good. So uh, how much private capital is, is moving in Atlanta, for example, in the Atlanta system? Well, the Atlanta system's not up and running yet. Okay. But let's just talk about what's going on around the country. There you go. Uh, it's about $6 billion to date. Uh, it's moving around uh, in, in a couple of states where this is working. And there's unlimited capital behind it. I mean, the 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 institutional investors, the private investors, they like these, these programs. There's some certainty to what they know they're investing in and the repayment because it's property tax-based. So capital is, is freely flowing into these markets. What, where what the, technologies are eligible? Like what can uh, I, I mean, do? Uh, you know, typically it's so. You know, typically it works from whatever is allowed via a state statute, and then that full, that that falls its way down into local government. But so er- everything from energy efficiency, from lights, HVAC, insulation, um, you know, windows, you name it, to solar, from from solar to solar thermal, and well as some other a couple of other states where um, water conservation, so water fixtures, as that relates to the energy side. And uh, what's now taking kind of a stronghold is uh, resiliency. So how can you fortify your home so you can protect yourself from these natural disasters out there? Batteries. Batteries, Mm -hmm. uh, shutters, roofs, windows, you know, wind issues, Mm -hmm. seismic issues, fire issues. So who do people – I'm in Brunswick. I'm in Savannah talking about those sort of areas. Uh, Who do we talk – who should we call if we want to – uh, learn more about this program and try and bring it to our city. Yeah, I think one you start with uh, either your county commission or, or your or your local mayor right. uh, and express your interest in this because that's where it has to start. Because it's codified in the it's codified in state statute and then local government and then local governments which means then the bondholders can come in and they can do stuff. I mean, yeah, it's complicated stuff. But at yeah. the end of the day, right? That's it, what you do is the complicated. We stuff. We do the complicated stuff, okay. and that's what I've been working. Do on. they need to call you? Do they need to call your commissioner? What they definitely they can call me, but I'm going to say I need to know your commissioner or your mayor wants to do this. So they they're, they're big shot Mr. Smith who can introduce you to the big shot in Savannah for example that needs to happen that is correct uh, okay. and that's how we all make this work together where the public and private come together to make this happen yeah, this is a good a good point John just to inject something about politics here and that is that that quantity matters in politics that uh, that as you get letters if you're a state legislator uh, it, it, you know, if you're a public service commissioner like me, if I'm getting emails or if I'm having people light up my phone or to call me about a particular issue, then it, it kind of elevates the importance of it. I remember I had a, a Bacon County representative tell me long ago, he's from Alma, the Blueberry capital of Georgia, 
that he had his assistant organize his mail in two stacks. One stack that was in the district and one stack that was out of the district. And, and I had a bunch of kids at the Capitol. I can't believe he actually said this, but he said that he, he would take all the stuff outside of his district and throw it in the trash can and never open it. And he would take everything that was within his district and he would respond with a letter and a phone call and with Detail. great care yeah. to everyone in his district. And so if you think about if you think about your county commission district or your city council district, if you're one of their constituents, they're going to I mean, listen to you. The magic word, yeah, you right. know, at the capital or in a city or in a county, the magic words are "I live in your district." <laughs> right, right. I live in your yeah, district. Absolutely. So now, in the case of public service commission, everybody lives in, within the area that that can vote for commissioner Ackles, or the other four. Uh, but they don't necessarily live in the district. It's very confusing, but it doesn't particularly matter. And what matters is these counties and these cities and, and, and going after your state reps and getting everybody on on board. Yeah, you got, you've got to let them know, know that you're concerned about this. Uh, and then that official feels like they have cover, right? They can say to their colleagues or they can say to others, look, you know, I've gotten 100 phone calls about this. And obviously this is a, a, a groundswell. This is bubbling up in my area. And so if you don't ever let anyone know, you know, then then what's an official to do? Uh, yeah. Just come up with their own plan? You're you're, a, you're absolutely correct. Because the other side of it is is that is that I go in there and and have a conversation with the county commission or the mayor, and what they they're going to ask me directly. Well, who in my constituency wants this? Yeah. Right? Have you heard from my building owners or my right. homeowners? So I like to do it the other way because that's where it really it, it works the so, best. So listeners that are interested in this, even and I, I'm citing bigger bigger cities, small counties, small cities, absolutely they can do it. Absolutely, they Alma can do, it. can do it. Alma can Bacon do it. Bacon County can <laughs> you, do it. Yes, they can. That's right. So I'd send you to a number of websites, including southface.org, uh, and you've got a website maybe folks can go to or you suggest that they take a look at? Yeah, there's a couple. They can look at uh, ygreen.com, which is energy spelled backwards for everyone that, that doesn't understand how, how ygreen, uh, how that would be spelled, but that, that's how that works, and uh, maybe pacenation.org as well. Great. Well, you're listening to Energy Matters. We're going to have you stick around for another segment. Let's continue to talk about energy efficiency on Energy Matters. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could tack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Row. And welcome back to Energy Matters, a radio show to help you save money, use technology, and be more sustainable. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, a law firm established in 1949 with the idea that building committed business relationships with clients while providing exceptional value would help them achieve their goals. That is a core belief for the three founders, Georgia Governor Ellis Arnold, corporate financing expert Sol Golden, and former Attorney General Claiborne Gregory Jr., and it continues to guide the firm today. Like its clients, AGG has expanded over the years to more than 150 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, working in 18 major practice groups. The firm's business sensibility approach fully underscoring how their clients operate and keeping them appraised of significant industry developments. It is, it is as valid today as it was six decades ago. You know, John, uh, I took the LSAT when I was here in Athens, my senior year, yeah. and was going to go to law school. Uh, but I met a young lady named Wendy at the oh. Baptist Student Union in the middle of my senior year. Wow. And she totally changed my life and my ambition. 
And you know what I was thinking is, you know, I've been at this school for four years, and I haven't found a person that I really was that interested in. And especially I didn't find a person I wanted to marry. And when I found Wendy, it's like, okay, whatever I have to do, whatever I have to give up, I've got to marry this girl. I'm I'm personally kind of partial to Wendy's myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we got engaged in the Myers uh, dorm parking lot. Oh, uh, great story. Married shortly thereafter, and she's been with me 35 years, and she's the mother of my seven children. And uh, just a shout out to her. She's a, a wonderful gal, and she's... You know, she's really encouraged me to do things like run for political office. And yeah. so I, I credit her with getting elected. So, so the old expression, man behind the curtain, well, in case this particular instance, it's the woman behind the curtain. It's the woman behind the curtain yeah. and behind the man. So yeah. kudos to my wife, school teacher, mother of my children, uh, a great guy. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. That, that is a kind of a – that's a show advertisement right there. I like it. That's the one I want to read more of. Um, hey, I want to welcome back uh, Ben Taub an energy efficiency expert, an energy expert, a leader in the space of, uh, of, of clean and green. Uh, and of course, our host, uh, speaking a moment ago, uh, Commissioner Tim Eccles. I'm John Noel. We, the three of us, know energy. We love energy. Uh, we want people to, 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 to understand it, know it, and love it as we do. Uh, ben, you've been talking about uh, property-assessed clean energy, a PACE program as a way to finance energy efficiency projects and to finance renewable energy projects, meaning I ain't got the money to put this on my house or my building, but I could do it through a property tax bill. That's pretty cool. Uh, and you've talked about how the, 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 the all the stuff that can be done, you know, air conditioning, insulation, water, uh, solar, batteries, all these fun things. Um, how do all these interplay with the utility company? How does the utility company want to see more of this? Yeah, good question, John. I mean, I think you know how this works with, you know, on the utility side is that it, it becomes part of one a, a, a utility efficiency program. So, are they providing incentives or are they pushing out? So they might give you some money to do it in addition to the pace program. Yeah, you exactly. kind of double dip. You double dip. You use it. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Yeah, and then secondly, you know, it's um, part of the utility generation mix. So, what part of the generation mix are they allowing for efficiency to meet their goal of of the load capacity? And so that's how I, I, these things fit together. And, and um, the technologies fit, the financing fits, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's one package. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's a timely topic uh, because, you know, every three years in Georgia, we do what's called the Integrated Resource Plan, which was created in 1991 by the General Assembly. And what energy is that? efficiency gets talked about. It's, it's really a 20-year look forward. And then we actually plan for three of those years. So it's it's like updating a strategic plan. Uh, and so we update our strategic energy plan. And the legislature gave the Public Service Commission the authority to do that in hearing style. So with sworn witnesses and, and interveners, uh, nonprofits like your old organization, right. uh, Southeast Energy, energy Efficiency, Efficiency Alliance, right. yeah. uh, groups like South, South Face, groups like the Georgia Restaurant Association. The Georgia Manufacturers Association. So Georgia Power comes forward with a plan, which includes an energy efficiency component. And then we debate this through hearings. And uh, ultimately, the five commissioners have the last say on exactly what to do. Yeah, which which winds up dictating what to do, though we've gotten a lot of input, obviously. and And I can't speak for all the commissioners, but I can tell you that. Nonprofits have helped me be a better commissioner. They've helped me learn these concepts, and they've taken me to projects. They've walked me through these things. They've introduced me to new ideas. So for all the folks out there that are cynical about whether or not your voice matters, I say get to know an official. Engage with them. Don't don't pick at their office. Take them out for coffee and 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 sell them on the concept that you have and help them understand it because you can also pick at their office. Uh, yeah, I guess you could pick at pick at their <laughs> office, but I'm not I'm not a big one on picketing. Picketing doesn't really. You're happen. taking a good approach. I, I hear yeah. you. Yeah. I hear so Ben, I I think it's it's timely that we talk about this because there's always debate about how much we should do, and Georgia doesn't do as much as other states. Yeah. No, I think it's a it's a really really good uh, question. I mean, I've had the opportunity, luckily, um, to not only live in Georgia and work in the state, but also to experience and work across the country. And to see what's happening across the country from a perspective of 
the new utility model, right? And, and, you know, there are states in the country that have made decisions that they don't want to build new generation. Or if they're going to build generation, it's going to look different than what traditional generation is. And part of where they're going with that is what's the load mix, right? How can we depend on or reduce uh, capacity uh, as a part of the generation? And so I'll take, for example, and then it's California, but when they shut down a couple of nuclear plants, their commission said to them, you have to go find the most cost-effective resource, and you need to start with energy efficiency, and then work your way towards renewables and, and batteries and whatever else that they can find to work out there. And Shouldn't energy efficiency have been the very first thing? Uh, isn't it always the first question before you do solar, before you do, do anything, that you want to make sure that that envelope is, is tight. What do people mean by tightening uh, the envelope? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It should be the first thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tightening the envelope, making sure your 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 uh, your homes and, and your buildings are sealed, right? Yeah. Air sealing, so you don't have just this drafts coming in, and making sure your insulation's correct and your windows are installed correctly. I mean, trying to make that 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 building less drafty, right? And keeping the, what's supposed to be in the building in the building, and keeping what's supposed to be out of it out of it. Look, if you're a Georgia Power customer, you're listening to us right now. You can call Georgia Power and ask them to come do a free energy audit. And I I recommend that you do it because you may have an issue at your house that you don't know about. You've just gotten used to it. Uh, and it could it could be with it, with the drafty condition of your house, but you could also have an HVAC system that's worn out that needs mm-hmm. to be replaced. So that thing's running out there, and you think your house is cooling, but it's not. So it just keeps running and running and running, and and air condition is one of the biggest energy hogs in your entire I actually house, right, had John? That done through the Georgia Power Program. I now, now it costs you money, but you get a rebate. So it might have cost me 150 bucks. I got 50 back. What I learned from it was my office building, which is in a residential home, my office building uh, had a sear that was rated at something, and I was burning. It was like 15 sear, <laughs> and it's supposed to be 12. I mean, it was horrible. And so it was very inefficient. And I learned that my home system, which was 10, was actually operating at like 9.5. It was really interesting. So one was working more efficiently, one wasn't. And now I know which one I want to target for replacement. And when the PACE program comes around, if I don't have any shekels, I'm going to go and do that and replace my air conditioner and put some solar on there. So those options we've talked about, what all the options are, but how are we? How are utilities beginning to use these this all this knowledge they're amalgamating as a new generation source efficiency as a generation source? Yeah, the, I mean the utilities now have realized that with smart technology that they can depend more on what's going out there in in from a meter standpoint. So if that sounds like I good what? Yeah, <laughs> um, the utility can look at and see what a what a home's doing, right? Okay. They can look and see what a building's doing. And and if I'm under contract, so I'll give an, an example. Uh, California and Southern California has hundreds of megawatts now under mm-hmm. efficiency contract. And so basically they now have a viewpoint in based on whether it's HVAC technology, uh, controls technology, that says when it's August 12th outside and it's 102 and we know we're going to peak, we've got to reduce demand. Right. They can now look and say, at, at the buildings and say, well, I've contracted you know, 400 buildings to do air HVAC efficiency right. and whatever it might be, and it, it's going to reduce my, my demand by you know, X percent. Right. And that's how it gets pushed into the generation mix is it's now a dependable resource and ah. they're paying companies yeah. to go provide that service. So when the nest says an energy rush is coming and it pays you for, or it may not pay you, I'd like, I'd like Tim to get it to pay it, pay us, but it says energy rush is coming. That's what they're talking about. They're, that's what they're talking about. Absolutely. I was up in New York city meeting with a con ed, the utility, and they were, going to have to replace a substation over I think it was in the Bronx and it was a, it was a an unbelievable amount it was like 2 billion dollars right. and they said that instead of replacing this massive substation that they were going to 
tried to delay that for a couple of years using some energy efficiency measures and, and, and hiring a company to go out door to door with students, getting people to do things. Have you seen that happen I, before? I've seen it. Well, it's happening in New York. I mean, they, they call it their non-wires alternatives. That's exactly what's going on, is that they're looking for solutions that are called non-wires. And it's going door to door or building to building and providing solutions because it's cheaper for them. At the end of the day, it's cheaper for them to replace an air conditioner than to go try to build that $2 billion substation that's going to have a variety of complexities to it, whether it's environmental or, or economic impact to, this, to, right, the, to right. the utility. Right on the money. Well, right on the money. Ben, I just want to thank you for your leadership in this space. Uh, and your your organization lives on today. In fact, we've we've had some of your folks on, on the show. And we want to continue to make progress in this area in Georgia. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Uh, special thanks to John Noel, my co-host today. New energy guy on yeah, Twitter. And, and our producer, Amber. Uh, for the great work uh, that she does. We want you to tune back in and learn more about how to save money, use technology, and be more sustainable. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by the Racy Anderson Highway. We interrupt this episode of Energy Matters to take you outdoors. On the road again. Hey, this is Energy Matters Outside, a segment where we take Energy Matters on the road and we experiment with some of the things or learn about some of the things that we talk about on the show. I'm in rural Jackson County in Houston now, actually in my backyard. And my backyard shares a fence with a pasture where actually my daughter's horse is. But I'm out here and I'm actually raking, I'm actually raking some leaves off a of, off a black cherry tree in my yard. We just moved here and, and the leaves are are still on the ground. And when we talk about sustainability on this show, I want you to think about these two scenarios. So I could either rake these leaves up and throw them over the fence or bag them up and have a trash truck or a recycle truck or a yard truck pick them up. Or you can take these leaves and you can use three pallets like I found in a construction dumpster with this drill here in a corner bracket, and you can build yourself a little compost pile. We learned about this on a previous episode of Energy Matters with Christian Baskin at LettuceCompost.com. And so now you mix these leaves with grass clippings and coffee grounds and food scraps and, uh, and manure or dog litter or cat litter. Or, uh, and over time, as you as you kind of stir this stuff stuff up, it becomes wonderful soil that you can use in planting flowers or in your garden or for your shrubs. So sustainability really, I think, for me as an evangelical, it's about stewardship rather than just waste this organic matter uh, that God's provided here in my yard. I'm going to use it to make something else. So I hope you'll join me in taking some of the things you learn on Energy Matters and applying them. Let us know. If you do, send me a note at psctim at gmail.com or just go to our Twitter feed at Matters Radio and leave us a note. We now resume our regular scheduled program. In this half hour, we've got a lot of voices in the studio besides my co-host, John Noel, former state representative. We've got Casey Boyce, um, a regular guest on our show, who's the senior product director for Market Strategies. And in from Oglethorpe Power today, the Director of Sustainability, Alan Shedd. Alan Shedd, so you've got a cool job. I do. Director of Sustainability for one of the largest power uh, companies in Georgia. 
That's great. Uh, but, you know, I hear a lot about people talk about EMCs and so much advertising. Oh, George Power, George Power. George Power doesn't service all of Georgia. George Power actually services a small territory, really, of Georgia. It is the EMCs that do. Can you tell us about the history of EMCs in Georgia? Why were they created? Sure. You know, that's a that's a great story. Electrification of rural America really started, you know, in Georgia. President Roosevelt, um, you know, used to spend time at Warm Springs, Georgia, had the little White House there. And, you know, he saw firsthand some of the problems about not having electricity at the time. Most of the area just wasn't rural America didn't have electricity. So he signed an executive order that created the Rural Electrification Administration. That was 1935. The REA offered low interest loans, other other assistance to help groups get started. And so people from rural communities, farmers uh, came together to form electric cooperatives and started the process of building the, the electric grid in rural America. KC Boyce, glad to have you with us as glad always. To be here, John. Yes, sir. I know you were kind of had some questions on some of this stuff. You want to? You yeah, absolutely. Start? So uh, you know, we've talked on this show before about electric vehicles, and Alan, um, tell me about what are EMCs doing in Georgia around electric vehicles? You know, there's a lot of interest in electric vehicles. Uh, you know, several EMCs have have posted information on their websites. There, they host events to to help educate people to to make it real to to host opportunities for people to kick the tires and actually drive drive one to see what it's about some co-ops offer time of use rates that that help drivers save money when they charge how about more could more do it well sure i mean Mm -hmm. you know those decisions about who offers what rate and how is really at the heart of what co-ops are about they're locally owned, operated by their members. So they make those decisions about what makes sense for their area. Okay. And why are EMCs starting to do this for electric vehicles? Well, it makes perfect sense. You know, we've been in the in the business of helping our members save money, save energy. Electric vehicles are one of those great opportunities where electric vehicles are this triple win, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's good for the environment. Yep. It saves the, the member money because it's less expensive to operate. Yeah. And, you know, it helps us operate the grid more efficiently by being able to use electricity for, for some great purposes like electric transportation. So explain that. Yeah. I mean, so because the average person will say, well, wait a minute, that's just using electricity during the heat of the summer. When are you charging electric cars? Well, you know, in my case, I plug in my car uh, when I get home, but there's a timer built into most electric vehicles that delay its start. So my car starts charging like at 11 o'clock at night. I don't really care when it starts. All I really care about is, is it fully charged when I when I go to work? So, Alan, I want to go back for a second. Sure. Because you said that the EMCs are doing this in part because they want to help save members money. Absolutely. Why do they care about saving members money? Isn't Aren't they businesses? Aren't they supposed <laughs> to be making money off of their members? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so let's back up and talk about what an electric cooperative is. So an electric cooperative is a not-for-profit organization. They are owned by the, the members, by the people who buy electricity from them. And they're governed by a board that's elected by those members. So they don't really have a, a profit motivation. Their, their objective is to serve the people who, who own them. So it sounds like those folks have a lot of power then in running the EMC. Is that right? Well, of course. I mean, it's locally owned, locally operated, locally governed. So they make business decisions about what makes sense. And what's really important is providing, you know, affordable, reliable electricity. And so our motivation is a little bit different. You know, energy efficiency, another good case in point. Why mm-hmm. should we encourage people to use less of a product we sell? Mm-hmm. It's because... You know, that's really in all of our best interests. Yeah, right. And and EVs are a great example of that. Um, uh, and Georgia Power uh, has had this EV charging rate for a long time. And, uh, and, and I haven't seen them with some uh, EMCs, and I'm glad to hear that more. Do you know how many have currently electric charging rates or give rebates for electric charging and things like that, encouraging that? The EMC that I'm a member of has, has a charging rate. Several, several others do. Yep. So, Alan, you said a while back that, that when you plug in your car, so you're an EV driver, yeah? Absolutely. So tell us about your experience with electric vehicles. <laughs> well, how many hours have you got? So I, I got started with electric vehicles. got about five minutes. <laughs> back in, in, in 1970s, in the mid-70s. Wow. You know, with the Arab oil embargo, 1973, cost of gasoline went up to a buck a gallon. 
and there were some shortages. Wow. Well, you know, when you're a high school kid, electric or transportation in general is a, is a big deal to you. You built your own car. Well, I started working on several designs. Stop it. But unfortunately, the first one I ever built didn't happen until 1997 when I worked with a group of high school kids to build the first electric-powered go-kart in the state of Georgia. Whoa! And then later, we went on, two years later, to, to convert a— That mow was fast. It, it was uh-huh. a lot of fun. How many miles yeah. of range did that go-kart have? <laughs> Probably about 15. Later, really? we, later 15 we built miles. The important part, though, was was how quick it was, oh, how yeah. much fun to drive it was. Oh, yeah. Later, two years later, we built a, an electric pickup truck, and it had 70 miles range. But this is built by high school kids who really, you know— That is so cool. Just doing this from scratch. Sounds like we need to connect high school kids here in Georgia to the automakers. I mean, we need an electric pickup truck out there, right? There's nothing on the market. Well, the Rivian, you probably heard about it. You know, and and so there there are a lot of new developments in the marketplace, but there is a great opportunity for kids, students to get involved with electric transportation. Very cool. So how have you seen the electric vehicle world change over the last five years? You know, the biggest change is just in the availability of more more options, more models, increasing range. You know, we went from a few here and there, you know, with range, say, under 100 miles to now, well, they're probably... 20 different models available, but it's changing pretty quick. Probably within the next three years, they're saying there may be as many as 100 different models available. And I just heard a Bloomberg report that said uh, uh, they had they had called for parity, cost parity between in, uh, in, in infernal combustion, internal combustion cars, <laughs> infernal combustion cars and battery cars. And they said cost parity would occur in six years. And now they're saying five years. Right. And they just changed That's that huge. call in the last six months. Right. So that means it could actually be three or four years if things move the same way they are. If, if you look at, you know, one of the biggest cost components, obviously, with an electric vehicle is batteries. The cost of, of batteries has has plummeted. Right. You know, 60% cost reduction in batteries over the past, oh, less than five years. Yes, that's exactly right. So what can EMCs do more to advance uh, EV adoption? Well, there are several things they are doing. You know, one is this public information, public awareness aspect. You know, EMCs have always been sort of the, the trusted source for information for our members. We're trying to gear up for that. But in addition, you know, frankly, it's walk the walk, you know, adding vehicles to their fleets, building infrastructure. You know, cool. John, Casey, uh, Allen, I'm a member of Jackson EMC, been a member of Walton EMC, and I'm, I'm a big fan of these rural cooperatives. One, as an evangelical, I love it that they have prayers at their events. So Georgia Power doesn't have prayers. Uh, so That's great. I, 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 I appreciate that down-home family Amen. feel that yeah. you get yeah. from an EMC. So, you know, really appreciate you being on the show. I want to hold you over another segment and have you talk more about energy efficiency and what, what's going on Ooh. with uh, with EMCs and energy efficiency and the difference between uh, how a regulated utility like Georgia Power would handle that and, and an EMC. So great hearing about uh, about you creating your own electric vehicle. You've got a, a lot of credibility in this space. Well, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we want to help you uh, be smarter, to save money, to use technology, and to live a more sustainable lifestyle. That's right. That's exactly right. And and in the next segment, we're going to be drilling down on energy efficiency and how to save customers money, how to save EMC customers money, Georgia Power customers money. And I love the idea of going back, and I'm so glad to have you here, Alan, for this, to think about how electrification and whole business of electricity has improved the lives of Georgians, uh, that we need more of this. And uh, we're going to be talking about efficiency and energy in the next segment. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more from the Director of Sustainability at Oglethorpe Power. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706 795 
two eight five four. It's important, isn't it, John? It's it is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy right. Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call seven oh six seven nine five two eight five four. The seven oh six seven nine five two eight five four row insulating company. Get comfortable. Welcome back to Energy Matters. This is a radio show to help you save money to use technology and to live a more sustainable lifestyle. I'm Tim Eccles on the Public Service Commission, your host and my co-host in the studio today, former Representative John Noel. Casey Boyce is here with us as well as the Director of Sustainability, uh, Alan Shedd from Oglethorpe Power. Support for Energy Matters comes from the Ray, an 18-mile stretch of Interstate 85 running from LaGrange to the Alabama line. The Ray is an independent nonprofit that seeks to catalyze the interstate corridor and its exits into a global model for regenerative transportation. Executive Directory, Director Allie Kelly believes that roads can be safe, sustainable, and regenerative. See more at theray.org or ride the Ray to see an interstate living laboratory. So we are joined, as you know, by Casey Boyce. Good to have you again, around here again, sir. And Alan Shedd. So, Alan, uh, what incentive does an EMC have to promote energy efficiency? We talk a lot on this program about energy efficiency. It is my business, and I love it. What are EMCs doing to, to help? Well, you know, back to what is the incentive here, that's an interesting question. You know, why would any company that sells a product like electricity encourage its consumers to use less of that product? So this really goes to the heart of what electric co-ops are, the cooperative difference, as we call it, mm. as EMCs being owned and governed by their members, they have a little bit different motivation here. They're primarily promoting energy efficiency because it's good for everybody. It saves the member money. It helps the EMC operate more efficiently, and it's good for the environment. Yeah. I, 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 well, my company, Energy and Environment, is is in, modeled on that sort of idea. And I think uh, we all ought to be thinking that, that energy, less energy is good for the environment. Less energy consumption is good for the environment. EMCs are helping in that regard. We know Georgia Power is doing something in those regards uh, with re- rebates and other things like that. Uh, I, I, I know that EMCs are pursuing that too. KC, what do you think about uh, some of the programs that you're seeing around the state? Are you, uh, What are you hearing? Yeah, well, we definitely see a lot of interest from consumers uh, around energy efficiency programs. But I'm curious, Alan, to hear from you, what kind of programs, particularly creative programs, are EMCs offering to their members across the state? Well, energy efficiency programs are really at the heart of, of what EMCs do. They're a good source for information, and it starts with a basic assessment. You know, where to start? first contact your your EMC and and see what they can do to help you. But, you know, there are a variety of programs looking at residential programs. It can be as simple as replacing, you know, light bulbs with more efficient LEDs that use one quarter of the energy, last 10 times longer. Uh, Choosing Energy Star appliances, weatherization, air sealing, high efficiency uh, heating and cooling systems, water heating. For businesses, obviously lighting, motors, HVAC systems, good opportunity. But there's some emerging technologies as well, smart home, energy storage, electric vehicles. So some of those things sound like they cost some money. Do the EMCs help defray the cost for members, or are these things that people are on the hook for themselves? Well, depends on the on the project. Obviously, a lot of things you can do don't cost any more money. There are low-cost, no-cost things that you can do that, that make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Bigger ticket items, like replacing your, your heat pump with a more efficient model, does cost more. There are programs where you can get uh, on-bill financing or, or additional incentives to help o- offset that cost. What does that mean for a customer, on-bill financing? Like, if I sign up for that, what, what am I doing? Well, the, the cost of, of replacing that equipment is added to your bill. You pay, you pay for it over time, added to your electric bill. It's just so I'm not out of pocket for that. That's right. Okay. So uh, you talked about energy efficiency, and I know that uh, – uh, that EMCs are kind of like a the Oglethorpe Power is a big tent with a whole lot of members. Not all of them are the same. Not all of them have the same programs. Some of them look at things differently. Some of them have stuff. One focus I have seen, and I think EMCs ought to be given credit for this, is there's a real push toward residential. They really care about member uh, uh, saving members money, and and that's important. Uh, what are you seeing green wise? 
uh, from EMCs that are also uh, sort of following the, the, the interest of a lot of members to be more green, for the EMCs to be more green? Well, I think of energy efficiency as being green. Obviously, you know, the best way to to improve the environment is to to use less of something that's harmful. True. Uh, when it when that makes sense. Other green opportunities, you know, all of our our EMCs are members of Green Power EMC. What is Green Power EMC? Green Power EMC is another electric co-op. It was formed in 2001 huh? to develop electric or uh, renewable resources for for the 38 co-ops in Georgia. Drill down. More, more, more. I so, want to hear more about that. Green Power EMC has done a variety of things, uh, starting in, in initially, most of those resources were things like landfill gas, oh, uh, using, okay. using landfill gas to generate electricity. Over time, some additional resources came online using biomass, using low-impact hydropower. Today, solar is probably the, the biggest source of energy for Green Power EMC and the co-ops in Georgia. Mm-hmm. They actually lead the nation among co-ops in in development of solar resources. Is and, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And also, do customers of the EMCs have to sign up specifically for these Green Power EMC programs, or is this being provided through the co-ops themselves, or how, how does that work? There are several opportunities for this. One one of I think one of the most exciting is cooperative solar. Uh, Walton EMC, for example, participates. Fifteen of the co-ops in in Georgia offer. Uh, cooperative solar programs where you can get the benefit. That's sort of the same as community solar. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 our version of it. Since we're cooperatives, we call it cooperative uh, solar. Of course you do. Yeah. Yes. But cooperative solar, interesting opportunity. This is a way that folks who may not be able to install solar on their house. If you rent a house, if you have a house that has uh, maybe too many trees to make solar effective, you can sign up for solar. Or you don't have a house. You have an apartment. Very yeah. true. Yeah. 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 So this allows you to, to use solar energy, you know, in your home, but the, the system is installed, maintained by the co-op. Uh, you don't have to worry about the installation holes in your roof, and it's added to your, to your bill to offset your, your energy use at home. Walton EMC actually had a situation where people bought in at some, at some dollar figure, and they got credits back that exceeded what they bought in. It was like an investment that, that paid you back plus. Right. Well, over time, of course, the cost of solar, like many things, has come down. Mm-hmm. Doing it at utility scale reduces the cost. We can we can do it cheaper than you can install it on your rooftop. So as the costs have come down, you know, that's reflected in the cost of, of community solar to the membership. Where have you guys uh, seen these these utility scale solar plants installed throughout Georgia? We've all probably seen the solar panels on you know highway signs and the you know things like that, but I've not seen one of these big large scale arrays. Where are they? These are large. When you're talking about a megawatt of of solar generation capacity, you're talking about ten acres. So boy, drive between Macon and Augusta, and Macon and and Columbus. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A lot of these installations are in South Georgia. You know, yeah. land is flat. It's relatively inexpensive. Most of our larger installations are in, in South and Central Georgia. And and to that point, you know, in 2015, we had 265 kilowatts of solar. Now, that 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 seems like a big number, but... In fast, 15. Okay. Fast forward to today, 2018, 10 times, nearly 10 times that, 245 megawatts of capacity in the wow. next three years, that'll probably grow to over a gigawatt of capacity. And, and put that in perspective for our listeners. What, when we're talking megawatts, gigawatts, yeah, right. I mean, like, I'm, I'm thinking back to the future here. Like, are we going to be able to send folks back in time based on this? Or, like, like how much power is this that we're talking about? So a gigawatt of capacity, that's about what a, a regular conventional, you know, coal-fired power plant produces. So that's a lot. That's a lot. That's interesting. So give me a creative program. Give me a single one. Give me a single creative program you're seeing uh, from some of these uh, EMCs. Like what's what's clever and, and cool? Well, to get back to the green power side of things, sure. one, one program that I think is really needs a shout out is the Sun Power for Schools program. This was started in 2005. It's a program designed to help students learn more about renewables. And since 2005, we have over 200 schools, probably 650 teachers, hmm. over 10,000 students who participated in this program and learned about renewables, you know, from, from that program. And, and, and do, they, do they put a solar panel up at the buildings? Uh, uh, how does that work? 
initially we were installing small one kw systems at schools as the program grew to 200 schools we really couldn't do that now most of those use data from those large solar installations we were talking about earlier through a dashboard to monitor energy use there that's really interesting well, I, I'm fascinated by the energy efficiency piece of this for EMCs, and I and I would love to see more of it. Do you think this is a direction that the EMCs are going, uh, where they want to promote more energy efficiency and they want to uh, to get more solar, or is there is there another tack people might be taking? Well, it's a it's a parallel path. It's important to use energy efficiently, wisely. You don't want to waste it. Right. The other part is using electricity for more things than we have before like electric transportation, like using high-efficiency electric technologies to make your life better, save you money in the process. now you're starting to sound like us. (laughs) You know, Alan, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, a couple of things on the way that Georgia EMCs handle things. One, the trip they they do for kids to Washington every year. Uh, That is a great experience going up and be able to meet your congressman and walk those halls of Congress and, and see what's happening up there because we need a very strong bench of Georgia leaders and someone has to take responsibility for showing these kids that you know that there's a world uh, a needy world uh, craving for leadership with integrity outside of the state so first of all thank you for that uh, you. second i want to say that the operation roundup and I participate in Operation Roundup on my bill, where uh, the MC rounds up my bill to the next dollar, and that money goes into their charitable arm and then is used to help members in need uh, and folks in the community. And that's a great thing. And I also participate in Project Share with my EMC, where Wendy and I give uh, $10 a month uh, to be able to help the Salvation Army, to be able to help others. So, well, thanks Alan, for thanks for being here today. Casey, John, thanks. Another episode in the books. Great to have all of our listeners here listening to Energy Matters, where we want to help you save money to use technology and to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make. Like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Right now, the gap between what you should save and what you can save has never felt bigger. The U.S. Bank mobile app can help by finding ways to help you reach your savings goals with personalized insights that fit your real life to make your financial goals feel within reach. Because even our tools are smart enough to put people first. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Equal housing lender, member FDIC.